The Tablet Show, episode 25, with guest Rocky Latka. Recorded live Tuesday, March 27th, 2012. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Rocky Latka about his experiences with the Windows 8 Consumer Preview. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Hey there, it's Carl and Richard, and uh, this is The Tablet Show. We are at Dev Connections 2012 in Las Vegas in the spring. Hey, man. How are you, bud? I'm good. You know, they gave us a nice suite here at the Signature. Yeah, I have great space to record it now that we've got pillows everywhere to make the sound good. People don't realize that I'm a little nuts when it comes to reflections and things like that. No, you work hard to make the show sound as good as it can sound. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it. Well, anyway, Rocky Lotka is here. Hi, Rocky. Hi, how are you guys doing? We're doing great. And uh, I want to jump right in here and talking about the consumer preview of Windows 8 that released in uh, February. And I guess you're you're putting it through its paces with uh, CSLA. I am, and and as a user, I've got it on a tablet and my laptop. Actually, I actually re-imaged my laptop, and I'm running Windows 8 full-time. You're, you're a brave man. So just keyboard and mouse or keyboard and touchpad, not not doing touch on it? Not touch. Right. No, my laptop is a, a big, you know, powerful Dell, you know, typical big, De- the big developer yeah. laptop. And, yeah, so it's got a... T- uh, the <laughs> <laughs> but no touch screen. Yes, right. it's keyboard and, and the glide pad. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and it works fine, and that's that's kind of cool. So he, when I came to Vegas here, the first thing I did was went to Fry's and bought me a uh, Asus EEE uh, Slate, which is on the list of recommended devices for Windows 8 from Microsoft, and it's gorgeous. And I, I installed Windows 8 on it from a thumb drive, um, and it just beautiful, beautiful experience. I can't say enough about it. I, I just love it. Well, I do think comparing and contrasting between the the, the slate um, and the laptop, hmm. it's true that that on the laptop the desktop mode, well, it's just like Windows Seven, so yeah. you feel completely at home, and the start screen is slightly better with touch, but they've hmm. done a fair amount to make it work well with the mouse, especially. Um, with the uh, glide pad because I turned on the gesture support. Okay. The the Dell already has drivers that work in Windows 8, and and Nvidia already has video drivers that work with Windows 8. Nice. And so I'm able to do two finger swipes on my touchpad to um, have the screen go left and right or up and down. Now, what if you didn't have that? I mean, I, I guess there was a a, a very controversial, not controversial, but a kind of uh, an interesting video that some guy put out where he sat his dad in front of. Uh, Windows 8, and his dad found desktop mode no problem, but then couldn't find his way back. What if you don't have that glide thing? What what are you, what are you what was he supposed to do in that sense? 
Yeah, I do think that's an issue. I, yeah. I think that, on, on the other hand, my wife has an iPad, and apparently it has a bajillion capabilities that I can't figure out because they too are hidden. Mm. There's apparently like a five-finger swipe that does something special. I don't know. Wow. And I, I'm, I could be making this up, but, you know, I don't think so. I've been told that there are multi-finger gestures on the iPad to switch apps and all sorts of stuff that are... I would suggest equally undiscoverable to how do you get out of desktop mode. Well, how do you get out of desktop mode? Well, is there like a hot spot? Ideally, for the you mouse just hit the Windows key. Yeah. Um, if you got a keyboard, um, if you're if you're trying to do it purely with the mouse, yeah. then you have to put the mouse cursor in either the bottom left or upper right corners, mm. and then you'll uh, either see the the Windows start screen or you'll see the charms. Okay. I'm really fascinated by this. I don't like touching screens, just for the record. I mean, generally speaking, when I talk about my desktop machine, I don't want to touch the screen, right? And what I want is some kind of touch surface that I can do touch gestures that aren't on the screen. And it sounds like that's what you're doing with your, your big Dell. Yes, but, that's that's right. And um, I, I actually don't mind touching the screen. So mm -hmm. um, the, the tablet experience for me is fine. Mm -hmm. and, and I find it to be extremely intuitive. but I am finding the touchpad experience to be perfectly workable. Um, okay, some things about the preview uh, that I've noticed here we should probably go over. Um, they added all the missing functionality in system.io with some, you know, system.io.path. They renamed some things uh, to use async instead of begin and end, for example, reading and writing. And um, you can still use the Windows storage WinRT stuff if you want to, um, but they added that back. They also uh, gave us reflection.emit, which uh, yeah, I don't know if it works, but it does come up in IntelliSense, and it does allow me to access those members. And I also, and I don't know if this was true, because it's been a while since I've done reflection, but I was looking through the, the uh, reflection stuff, and I just a little test by creating a class that had um, a private member, like a private constant. And then I went to see if I could see that in, uh, in, in the declared fields. And yeah, it's there. Now, it but were you up. able to read its value? I'm not able to read its value, right. but I am able to see it. And also any private methods, I can see what their signatures are, Which but can't I can't call, call them. them. Right. Yeah. So it's, pretty much equivalent to the Silverlight reflection okay. uh, limitations. And, uh, uh, and, and I, to me, that's fine. I, yeah. I'm, I'm a proponent of Silverlight, as you guys know. Yep. Um, and, and so I, I think, in fact, it's better that you can't cheat and break encapsulation yeah. by reaching into objects and mucking with their I internal uh, members. Yep, I agree. Also, the dependency property... Uh, bug is fixed the uh observable collection bug is fixed observable collection of t um so is property changed similarly property changed yep notify property change yep so basically it looked well i mean let, let's face it the developer preview yeah. was, was very early and was you know here, here guys ha have a look at kind of where we're going we're not there yet right and i think the consumer preview is here guys we're almost there um, I, I, I hope that a few of the quirks that I've run into are, are actually quirks and will get resolved yet. But, you know, the reality is they're pretty darn close. Because they avoided calling it a beta. 
And and I mean, and I wonder if it's just because the term is poisoned that it, you know people have abused the, the term beta for so long. We I believe in beta concepts as this is feature complete, but not you know fixed to high enough standards, or it hasn't been tested enough different things, that kind of thing. But they didn't call it a beta, so you almost wonder if they're gonna they may slip a few more things in. I'm well, wondering if they don't add connect support and speech support and all that stuff because of you know just where that's going. Maybe. Yeah. I, I think, you know, certainly there are um, areas that they are not yet willing to talk about, like mm-hmm. um, some sort of corporate deployment model, mm-hmm. um, which they've signaled there will be one, but they're not ready to talk about it. And, you know, some, some things that are really important. And, and so I do think you're right that there clearly will be more things that end up. And, and I'd heard a rumor at one point that there would be consumer preview and then an enterprise preview. Hmm. I don't know if that's, you know, if there's any truth to that, but it does seem, I think, re- realistic to think there would be one more preview before release um, that has more stable code, more more completeness than what we've got yet, um, so that as we start all building apps, um, you know, in anticipation of launch, that we're working on something that's truly at the, you know, very close to release. And we could call it a release candidate if we wanted, but they may come up with another well, name. Well, that's, that's kind of, I think, the train of thought as well. If we're going to do it with way with the term beta right maybe they just change their terminology completely yeah well i mean it's an interesting problem i mean we talk about products that are forever in beta have kind of poisoned the concept of a beta yeah there's there's certain companies that have were in beta had products in beta yeah. for years years years, years. And years yeah. yeah oddly enough <laughs> Yeah. Is gmail still in beta actually i, I think that that's released <laughs> took a while but this brings up this whole concept of tablets in the enterprise. I mean, we know they're happening, but, you know, I'm going to wear my IT hat for this conversation because as an IT guy, this is my worst nightmare, that my CTO showed up with an iPad and said, I'm going to work from this from now on. I expect you to make it work. And that's happening. In, without a doubt. In an awful lot of places. Mm-hmm. It makes things really hard but because iPads don't follow the same set of rules. So I did, what I'm excited about with the Windows tablet is looking at it from an IT perspective is here's something that can join my domain. Here's something that's going to obey my network access protection rules. Here's going to, it's going to play ball with my infrastructure. W- well, maybe. <laughs> don't scare the, me, Rocky. <laughs> rumor, whatever has it that, that, uh, Windows 8 ARM tablets may not be able to join domains. That's right. Well, also that there may be ARM tablets that won't have desktop mode altogether. Right. That was also a rumor. And yeah. um, that one does not surprise me. Actually, um, I think that might be verified, actually. Let me, I'll, I'll take a look. That could be. But I saw that on a list somewhere. Um, but but I, I'd heard the same thing, and, and that didn't surprise me because yeah. you think about the not, not that it would be impossible to make desktop stuff work on ARM, but you think about the amount of work involved yeah. in making that happen. And clearly, to me at least, Microsoft is, is putting a stake in the ground already and saying our future is this Windows runtime. Yeah, and I think it's in their best interest to have an opportunity to make a break like this. You know, we appreciate, I imagine, you know, I, I'm going to speak for you here. As developers, it is nice to know your your stuff is going to carry forward. I mean, Microsoft has been very good to us over the years in yeah. making sure that your work is not abandoned. You can carry it forward to the next thing. And the few times they've made breaking changes, and I'm thinking like the jump from VB to, to .NET, um, were tough times. And it, it seems like this is a very clever way by having the ARM hardware and the Intel hardware separate to say, you want to stay compatible, do the Intel stuff. You want to make a leap, 
to the future, do the arm stuff. Uh, so, so that's true. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's interesting because each major release of Windows, the, the really big ones that have come out over the years, mm-hmm. um, over the last maybe 10 or 12, people have kind of repeatedly called for Microsoft to, um, to break from the past. Right. And, and Microsoft consistently, so you mentioned VB and how the change from VB6 to.NET was big, but VB6 apps still work. Yeah. And in fact, still work. they still work on Windows 8. Yeah. No kidding. So, they still so work. they've got essentially another 10 years of life to them. Sure. Which or is however kind of many. scary to think about. <laughs> well, assuming Microsoft follows their normal five plus five support. Yeah. The fact that the runtime ships in Windows 8. You know, you, that's that's why I say you you got a decade. I've actually seen out on certain blogs people writing about, uh, you know, Silverlight becoming more and more irrelevant, and WPF and Windows forms actually becoming more relevant in the enterprise, and and Windows forms in particular. Like, are we just ignoring the the absolute success of Windows forms? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I, in fact, when I've talked to groups at conferences, I ask, you know, how many people do WPF? How many people do Silverlight? How many people do Windows Forms? And easily 40 to 50% of every audience does Windows Forms. Hmm. And some substantially smaller percentage does WPF and or hmm. Silverlight. So, I mean, Windows Forms, for, for all that nobody really seems to love Windows Forms, yeah. the reality is from a business perspective, it hasn't changed in give or take seven years. I think I saw a blog post from you where you were talking about you got pulled into a project with WinForms and you had forgotten how productive you were yes. using those designers. And, and don't get me wrong. I really like, especially Silverlight, WPF, I like XAML. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that Windows Forms allows me to drag and drop controls onto a page and when I'm done, I've got what I what I've got maybe uninspired, but it looks professional. Right. Versus if I do the same thing in WPF or Silverlight, drag and drop comparable controls onto the form. When I'm done, I have something that works, but it doesn't look professional at the same level that the same thing with Windows Forms mm-hmm, did. Mm-hmm. And so I I have to go back and do at least some level of styling, which I'm not good at. So that means in my case, I have to go you know get a designer. Um. And and I find that frustrating. Mm-hmm. But to follow that through, the phone comes with templates and and pre-built controls right. that are, are cool because I can create a Windows phone app that looks professional, just like Windows Forms. Without a designer directly involved because right. you've got the control set. And I wonder if this is where Metro is going as well, that we're going to get to this point. It is. That's exciting. And what I've done thus far with Metro, the templates that Microsoft supplies for Metro-style apps, mm-hmm. for whether, whether you're doing VB, C-sharp, JavaScript, C++, they've all got pretty much the same template set. They all already come with pre-built styles, pre-built animations, storyboards, and they use the Windows, uh, Windows runtime controls. Mm-hmm. So that what you get out of the box, even me, as a non-designer guy, ends up with something that looks professional. I wonder if we're going to look back at this as sort of a dark time in UI design. where Because, you know, Microsoft kind of abandoned us when they did WPF. They didn't give us any prescriptive guidance, and they didn't build any of their own products with it for years. Yeah, Just I think sort of that's... left us hanging. So, 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 but we're developers, right? So I work with designers. Magenic's got a whole sure. group. And, We've and, interviewed one of them, Andrew. Yeah, uh, um, Anthony. Anthony. And um, they look at it completely differently. So we, we've got these interesting 
discussions going on inside of our company because I'm saying what I just said here about being able to, as a developer, create a professional looking result. Mm -hmm. And the designers are like, oh yeah, but it, it's you know going to be bland. Everything's going to look the same. Um, you know, there's not going to be that attention. Their, their fear is this, that, that good enough wins. Yeah. And that, um, what they do is not just make it look pretty, but they focus on usability. Right. Right. The, yeah. The science of usability and what users, um, what would make a user more, in, uh, productive mm -hmm. and intuitive. And they're afraid that they're going to get cut out because we'll create something good enough. And it could be right. Well, let's jump into the topic of uh, business apps and corporations and uh, enterprise features of tablets. I've already got a couple of tweets here, and then a couple of them say the same thing, like uh, what type of apps are tailored for tablet and what role does line of business apps play? Uh, what kind of apps would be most relevant to enterprises on tablets? CRM, note-taking, line of business. And then Sean Wildermuth says, are there any enterprise licenses for Angry Birds Space? That's all I seem to use my tablet for. <laughs> you know, when I think about this, it's it's interesting because before Windows 8 was revealed, one of the things that I was saying was, boy, what I really wish I had was a tablet that I could dock and then it would become my computer. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't want to carry around a laptop and an iPad. Right. And a Kindle. Yeah. Because the iPad makes a ter terrible book reader, right? Mm -hmm. So I end up carrying around and, and my phone. So four devices everywhere I go. Yeah. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. And the, the, you know, Carl, you said you've got a tablet you just picked up and, and I've got a, a Intel based tablet that runs an i5, a, a very similar computer or machine. I plug it into a dock. It has multiple monitors, it has keyboard and mouse. I pick it up and I walk and I'm carrying it around here. Um, at the conference. Yeah. And, and, and so right now I can tell you that I have that dream. It, it's in my hand. Right. <laughs> and so then when I hear the question, what kinds of apps should run on this device? My answer is all of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, this idea that, that tablets are only for angry birds, that may be true of something like the iPad where you don't have office. Mm hmm. Right. And where you can't dock it and get a full keyboard, multiple monitors and everything else. Oh, but you can. Well, what but was, you can, right? What was this company that uh, did the remote access to Windows and then Microsoft's going after them? Yeah, I think it was called On Live, something like that. But, yeah, they were kind of violating the licensing agreements and Microsoft sort of right. dropped it and said, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> so, so, and, and I should be clear because, of course, now I'm going to get hate mail from the, you know, Apple lovers. Right. But, I really think that that what's going to happen is Windows 8 will put pressure on the iPad mm -hmm. um, to to step it up and and um, be able to interact with existing peripherals and things that that it maybe can do now, but it's hard and it's going to have to get easier mm -hmm. because the Windows tablets are computers; They're, they are my laptop. Well, you know what's interesting uh, with the iPad? I run VNC and access my desktop machine through VNC with the iPad, and it works fine. You know, and it's essential, and that's not a violation of any license agreement because it's my machine I'm accessing. Yeah, and you've got your machines licensed for Windows and yeah. all as well. And and in fact, I know quite a lot of people that use RDP or or some VNC equivalent to get back to their Windows machine so that they can do real work on their iPad and they can play the games. And I think the the distinction here is that my tablet, because it's an i5 with four gigs of memory and a you know SSD hard drive. 
I'm running Visual Studio on it. It has right? enough horsepower. It has enough horsepower. I don't need to RDP back to another machine because I've got my machine with me. So you've eliminated one device, right? I mean, you've gotten from four to three. If you yeah, so it's not still, have to carry a laptop. Honestly, the Windows tablets are still not a Kindle, right? right? I yeah. mean, the, the, you just can't beat the e-ink. Yeah, at least in my view. No, I'm totally with you. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I always carry my Kindle anyway. It's the thing to read from. But I'm okay carrying three devices. Kindles are light. Phones fit in my pocket. Yep. And now I've got a computer, right? That's Yeah, so back down to one computer to bring with you that can do everything you need it to do. And it's a heck of a lot easier to use on an airplane than a regular laptop is. But then the question, I think, becomes, because, of course, most of the real, quote-unquote, real apps that I'm using on my tablet are on the desktop side, mm-hmm. right? Because it's Office 2010 and, and so on and so forth. And And... The question, I think, in people's minds is, will we create business apps that run on the green side? Right. That, that run in, in right the metro. metro. Yeah, and that's the question. I, I believe the answer is yes, uh, hands down. And and the reason I say it is this, that today people use WPF and Silverlight to create line of business apps. Mm-hmm. And they use text blocks and text boxes and combo boxes and list box controls, mm-hmm. every one of which exists in... XAML or, or whatever language you're going to use on the Metro side. Mm-hmm. Every one of them. Yeah. And so you, you just look at it and you're like, so the data entry screen that you just created in WPF, I can create the same thing. And it'll run not only on Intel tablets, it'll run on your desktop, it'll run on your laptop, and it'll run on an ARM tablet. Right. And I mean, why wouldn't you want that? Yeah. The same app. It, it makes total sense. And it's just this idea. The, the interesting thing is the versatility of an app to use it in a docking station well, and out of a docking station well. Well, so there, I think, is where our challenge comes in mm-hmm. and where we come back to this idea of, of whether you do or don't need a designer. Because, yes, I can take the templates and create a professional-looking UI that works fine on, on my screens, but put it on a 30-inch screen, How does it my look guess is it's probably not going to work great. Right. Right. And and then, you know, do I have the talent to make it work in uh, both portrait and landscape? I'm, I'm not confident that mm-hmm. I do. And the templates don't give you that out of the box. And or, and or so... Sort and, of that thumb design where I'm holding, I'm walking or standing with a tablet and I can't reach across the whole screen. I'm just going to use my thumbs on it. Like that's yes. a really interesting usability case yep. that's very real in a tablet. Well, and I'm thinking that's for smaller tablets, like the the Windows tablets that I've seen tend to be a little bit bigger than the iPad, um, you know, at least the ones that are popular anyway. Well, Microsoft's got some standard minimums for tablets mm-hmm. that are bigger than the iPad because they're, which isn't to say that tablets can't be smaller, but then they're going to lose some of the features of the Metro-style um, shell, mm-hmm. in particular the idea that you can do snapping and, right. and snap a, an app to be a third this screen and then two-thirds is another app. As soon as you go smaller than the tablets that you and I've got, yep. then you lose that feature. And what is that, 1344 by 768? I, I think it's something by 800, 1280 by 800 or something no, like it's, that. No, it's 13 something. It is? By, by, yeah. Oh, that's the minimum. Yeah. yeah. Right, so if right. you're 1200 by 800, you're 1280 by 800, you're out. You, you lose the snap. You lose it. it still works, right? And in fact, of course, as presenters, uh, well, at least in my case, because I'm using Windows 8 for a presenter machine, mm-hmm. you, know, you put it up on a projector and the projectors go down to a smaller resolution. Everything works fine, but you lose snapping right. and you just have to live with that. This portion of the tablet show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? 
I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the tablet show. David uh, on Twitter says, what is driving tablet usage in the enterprise? And I would like to follow that up with a pre-question. Is there any tablet usage in the enterprise? Well, we've got people hiring us to build iPad apps for the enterprise. And so I think the answer has to be yes. And I think there are probably, well, let's say that there are three broad categories. One, people are experimenting and just trying all sorts of stuff Mm -hmm. that may or may not stick. So that's a category by itself that covers a lot of ground. Um, Two, our dashboard um, executive information portal type apps. BI apps. Yep. Exactly. And and those are popular and yeah, uh, very compelling. And then the third are um, applications that fit into uh, where, where you maybe have a, a Salesforce on a show floor or um, some variation thereof, a mobile, a mobile group of people that interact with customers that want to have something they can show the customer or act as an assistant as they're interacting right. with the customer. Because there's something unique about I've always had a little tablet fixation, even going back to, you know, I think I'm the only guy who bought a motion computing slate tablet with the pen. You're Nobody, the customer of I one, was right? the guy, yeah. And, and 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 I bought literally the last one I bought was like a month before they stopped making them. So I finally hung that machine up. But the thing that I noticed about it is what made it different from a laptop is it laid flat on the table. And it was this, you know, as soon as you, you know, you've been in these meetings where you have laptops. If you've got a laptop up, you're not in the meeting. You're not present. You're looking at your screen and nobody else can see your screen. Like it, there's a real dynamic there. And I'm wondering if these next generation tablets were going to get better at this idea of having it flat on the table and multiple people interacting with it. Um, I'm skeptical. And, and I say that I'm skeptical because now I've been in many, many, many meetings with people with iPads mm-hmm. and they all have that ipad case that folds underneath and they stand it up like a laptop well at a a maybe 40 degree angle Mm -hmm. so not like a laptop where it's sticking straight up in the air yeah but also not flat because you can't interact with the screen when it's flat it's just like the one that's right in front of me now this uh this eee slate from asus it's got i don't know what would you call that angle maybe 35 almost 45 and uh, yeah, it's in that, a case. That's more like a laptop, though. This is usually the the i the um, iPad cases would have it flatter. Oh, okay. L- right. l- you know, it, but but not flat because then you lose the the glare from the ceiling lights right. washes up the screen. So you need it tilted, just just some. Yeah. Right. But I like this the fact that it's it's not docked, but yet I have the Bluetooth keyboard and I could probably use a Bluetooth mouse. I, I don't have one for this yet, but. But, but I think uh, you're 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 right, Richard, in that people can't hide behind 
the you know if it's not sticking straight up you can't hide behind it right but yet it's still there it's less obtrusive well and you get into the you know, i keep thinking about surface style apps where people are sitting on two sides of things and thinking are we going to do this with tablet sized devices yeah i don't know i don't, I don't know. know i think it'll be interesting you know there's there's i think that this is a space that is just begging for innovation mm-hmm you know, if we presuppose that you come into a conference room and you're meeting with a dozen people and all of them have Windows tablets mm-hmm. and they're running some sort of collaborative meeting app that lets you share notes or, or, or you know, what, what, what a lot of us do in, in uh, meetings or conference calls, especially us techie types, have back channels. Mm-hmm. So you can make fun of the presenter without <laughs> saying anything, right? I mean, you, you can or envision who's going to ask the hard question. We yeah, all are thinking yeah. this question, who's asking it? You you can envision some sort of app like that, right? Mm-hmm. And and I mean I think that's just the tip of the iceberg in the context of everybody having the because what's going on here I think is bigger than just tablets mm-hmm. and it's bigger than just Windows Eight Metro. I think that it's it, we're our assumptions about what computing means are being challenged. Mm-hmm. And I know yes. this is terribly philosophical, no, no, but I agree. But I really think that that the base assumption of what does it mean to sit down at your quote unquote computer is undergoing a fundamental shift because my computer is my phone. Mm-hmm. It's going to be your glasses someday yeah. soon. You know, right. it's going to be with you all the time. And yeah, I think that's exactly right. You, you ubiquitous computing, right. right? Which Bill Gates talked about how many years ago? Mm-hmm. The old road ahead book. The road ahead. And, um, and here we go, right? <laughs> We're on the ride. Yeah. Um, and, and this is why I tell people that in my view, what, what's going on right now is a shift in our industry that we haven't seen probably since 1995, give or take, right? Where we moved from DOS to Windows, where we truly started to give up the mainframe and mini computer world mm-hmm. and embrace the, the um, PC, microcomputer, server world. And, um, you know, and the web came along. I mean, that, that whole period of time was, was tumultuous. And fun and exciting and, you know, depending on which piece you latched onto, it was all great. And then we've been stagnant for 15 years to a large degree. And you can say, oh, yeah, .NET came, but... Well, and also Internet really came on. Like we, I think there's been some interesting moves in the past 15 years that sort of have culminated in this. But you know what stayed static was the UI. Yes. You know, the the, the mouse and the keyboard. And maybe that's my point. One of the stories that I, I... relate to when I'm thinking about this is that when .NET was first coming out, so 2000, 2001, mm-hmm. I was writing, uh, Billy Hollis and I were writing a book actually on VB.NET. It was a rush job and we darn near killed ourselves to get it out. And I was having a conversation with my mom at the time and she said, you know, well, wow, you must be really working on something. I said, yeah, I'm trying to write this book on .NET. She said, well, what is that? And I said, it's the next big platform for building software on the Microsoft world. And she said, Oh, well, that sounds exciting. When will I see my first .NET app? <laughs> <laughs> and you think back to that and you think the, the, the .NET Windows Forms apps looked exactly like the VB6 apps. Yep. Yeah, how would you know? How would you know? How would right? you know? But now what we've got is this really interesting dynamic where the, the new apps that are being built, uh, you know, for Metro look nothing like the, the apps that we've yeah. been building for the last you know, 15 or 20 years. It's Even though the of, building mechanisms we're using have been around for a few years now. I mean, that's the interesting thing is the, now the UI pieces are in and these new tools we've had for a while make more sense. So what are the challenges in the enterprise that we have not solved yet? 
you know, uh, I'm, I'll, let's just start with the security idea that sometimes you're not allowed to, many times you're not allowed to plug in your, your personal iPad or connect with Wi-Fi to the, you know, to the back end because it's your stuff. And, you know, how do we solve those problems? And are they solvable? Well, I think that those problems have largely been solved by, ta- um, sorry, by laptops already, mm-hmm. right? You run around with Windows laptops and, and they have security policies, domain policies. They're able to revoke them and, and get pretty decent control. And at least Intel-based Windows 8 tablets are laptops and have the same capabilities. And so in that regard, I think you can say we've already solved it, right? But what, is that just you know, Windows that solved it? Well, Sure. That's that's Windows that solved it, and and if we um, broaden this and say, well, yeah, but the iPad's not going away, which is clearly true. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people, a lot of companies out there trying to solve it for the iPad and and Android as well, um, in, including Microsoft. Interestingly enough, mm-hmm. who's got products or, or services that they've been evolving over the last few years to try and help you manage your domain world when it includes iPads. Yeah, there's a new System Center product in beta right now that's specific about handling mobile devices that may or may not be Windows devices. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Microsoft's clearly working on this problem. And then, and I can't lay the bring-your-own-computer-to-work phenomenon squarely at the feet of the iPad. It was going on before that. I, I really think back all the way to sort of in the 2000 time frame when the, when the dot-com bubble bursting sort of disrupted everybody's IT budgets and we didn't buy a cycle of new machines and suddenly people had machines at home were better than ones at work and that to me seemed like the real beginnings of this idea that IT doesn't deliver all my hardware if I want to use my machine I can and we you know we more people working from home like it got to be it's, we're in a weird place because of all of that, that that these things sort of came along we are and the tablet just made it worse and and being overly philosophical again <laughs> I'm left wondering where we're going mm-hmm. because you could envision a potentially dystopic future where in order to come work for my company, you have to bring your own computer. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, bring your children and let them fight to the death. We, we, well, maybe not that <laughs> so dystopic. So many dystopic futures. It's hard to keep track. I, I'm, I'm just sticking with one where, where <laughs> the entry fee to work for me is that you have to bring your own computer. I, I I have been working with companies where they give you an allowance for a computer and buy what you want. Well, that's not bad. Yeah, but it's it is this idea. It is bring your own computer. You have to pick it. Who is the guy who did the the contract for the developer contract? You know the the developer demands. What was the manifesto that every developer should have two screens? Um, is that coding horror guy? Is that Atwood? Was it Jeff Atwood? It's either Jeff Atwood or, or Scott Hanselman. Yeah, I think Hanselman amped it up, but it was, but that was around that time. That was early, fairly early on, and uh, I don't know why I thought of that, but but maybe that was the time when developers weren't getting the best hardware to work on. Well, I do think that we're. I mean, this touches on something that I think is a kind of a big deal in that if we allow bring your own device. And people can bring in the the budget Android tablet that their grandmother bought them because they thought it was good. Right. And it can't actually run anything. And yet, as a you know corporate policy, we're saying bring your own device. We'll make it work. Mm-hmm. 
So then what is, does that really mean that that's what we're going to do? And there's this concept, and I, I've talked about this in various venues before, but of a natural monopoly. And this is part of why Microsoft didn't get broken apart in the, the nine, uh, what, late 1990s in the whole court case. Mm-hmm. Was they ultimately part of the decision criteria was, well, if we break them apart, one piece of them will just become dominant again because there's a natural monopoly effect. Corporate mm-hmm. corporations can't afford to build applications for more than one platform. Mm-hmm. And they can't afford to support more than one platform. And so they standardize. And then whatever they standardize on, the, the, you know, whichever platform gets standardized on most wins. And that right. turned out to be Windows. And so the, the real question, I think, is in this bring-your-own-device world that we're dabbling in right now, are we really going to say that now corporations are, gonna in, are going to accept the cost of developing software that can actually run on any computer, mm-hmm. whatever that might mean. That might mean writing the same app five, six times, or it might or mean, it might mean remote access for those well, it smaller might, it devices might mean, that don't have. It act- might mean that we all stand up Citrix servers, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, or we write everything in HTML five, or, or write everything in HTML five. I mean, none of these are truly compelling options, <laughs> right? That's true. I mean, at least for me, I, I can't get excited about any of these these things we're talking about. Um, but, but yet something has to give because it's clear, at least to me, that ultimately this, this dynamic will kick back in where someday some CEO is going to wake up and, and he's going to look at his IT budget and go, why are we spending double our IT budget from previous years? And they're going to, the IT d- director is going to go back and say, well, you told us we had to support the iPad. Right. And the CEO is going to go, well, I didn't know it was going to cost me X million dollars. And, you know, the director of IT will get fired and then the iPads will get pushed out because it would have been cheaper for a company to have just bought everybody a Windows tablet. Right. Rather than support the iPad. Well, there's, mm. there's another, there's an underlying thing to this, which is also the, you you build native apps to take advantage of platforms and that cross-platform solutions tend to be lowest common denominator solutions and so sort of inferior. You can get a competitive advantage if you go with a standardized platform and you really exploit that platform. Yeah, I think that's true. But then we come back to the good enough argument. Right. Where, where we if, have enough horsepower now. If we don't the have lowest to common good. denominator is good enough, mm-hmm. and, and, and maybe it is, um, you know, maybe like, like you say, maybe the horsepower, even on these lower end ARM devices with HTML5 is maybe it's sufficient. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's been proven yet. But, but if it does become that case, um, you know, that, that's the other possible um, in, in my mind, potentially dystopic future, um, is that d- Java's dead, .NET's dead, everything's dead, and the only language in the universe is JavaScript. Oh, oh, that's worse <laughs> than my kids trying to kill each other. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, so the sub $500 experience on Windows 8, what do you think, what do you think we're looking at there? I think it's going to be fun to see. Fun, yeah. Fun to see. I, I do think that um, having run... So, so when you build a Windows RT or Metro-style app, there's a tool that Microsoft provides as part of the SDK that you run against your app, and it will tell you if it would pass the criteria to get into the store. Mm-hmm. And so I've run that on several of my applications, and, and um, they, they've passed, but every one of them has had warnings. 
and, and maybe these warnings are hard-coded for all I can tell, but there, there's a couple key points where they do warnings. One is on startup speed and one is on suspend speed. Hmm. And it's all about what you're talking about, Carl. And, that, yeah. the, and, and if you read the text arms. of the warning, in fact, it says Windows 8 is intended to run on widely varying hardware. It's something to the effect the hardware might be a lot slower than your current computer. And you better plan for, um, you know, so even though your app is within our parameters, on a slower computer, it might, it might be a problem. Be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think this is the big, you know, can you imagine that it'll be any sub $500 Win eight tablet that isn't ARM. Yeah, at this point, it's hard to imagine, yeah. but you know, we don't. Maybe Intel's got something up its sleeve. Well, I'm, I can't imagine Intel setting still around the ARM thing. You know, the funny part is they were involved in ARM at the beginning and sold their interest off. <laughs> so now, now that ARM's you know gotten some serious traction, I got to imagine there's a Skunk Works project out there somewhere to build a low cost, low power, you know, effective processor, ideally that still follows the x86 chipset specs so that we can continue to have uh, compatibility but then i'll flip that around and suggest that even if that's true are those computers going to be any faster than the arm computers that we're talking about well if they aren't they're not going to be successful well maybe not unless they allow desktop mode um albeit quite slowly maybe Hmm. (laughs) i think you're seeing these uh manufacturers hardware manufacturers very reticent to drop their prices you know on these i mean this is this one right here was about 1300 bucks and you know it's a great tool it's a great tablet and uh, it works great in desktop mode too fast i'm running visual studio 11 beta and um i don't you know yeah it's kind of expensive but then again i'm able to do stuff on it that i can't do on my kindle fire well, and it's cheaper than buying a tablet and a laptop. Yeah, definitely. And and I think that's that's and this to me is where we end up with different demographic segments to think about, mm-hmm. right? Because you know if you go and want to buy a desktop PC right now, they're what three hundred and fifty, four hundred and fifty dollars. Yes. And I mean, there's your sub five hundred, and and those are powerful, powerful computers. Sure. Right. These are are you know by any. Uh, reasonable measure, they're full-blown developer workstations. Sure, yeah. For for four hundred dollars, like really it's crazy. And um, yeah, you know, as soon as you enter the tablet market, uh, other than the Fire, all the other tablets are substantially more expensive than mm-hmm. a PC. But then laptops are also more expensive, mm-hmm. right? Because of the engineering that goes into them, right? So you know, there are different demographics. There are the people that have the disposable income to buy iPads and. And we'll buy this kind of Windows tablet. Mm. And then there are um, an awful lot of people who probably can't afford these things and are going to buy $400 PCs running Windows 8. Or or don't need the horsepower, right? I mean, if you're not, if you are just going to play Angry Birds, you know, you don't need an awful lot of machine. Well, there's that too. But I guess what I'm saying is you can buy more machine to if you buy a desktop computer, right. even if you don't need it. Um, and so given a choice, are you going to spend the $400 and buy a computer or the $800 and buy a tablet? Right. And if they both can run Angry Birds, this is the cool thing, <laughs> right? Because what we're talking about, and, and I, I don't think this sinks in readily because there's so much focus on tablets, but Metro runs on your desktop. Yes. And so Angry Birds that comes to Metro or whatever other cool games there are, are going to run on your desktop sure. too, right? Not just on your tablet. And I'm I'm kind of excited mm. personally because 
Um, I mean, just to pick something mundane, I like reading the news far more on several of the newsreader apps that are in Windows 8 yeah. than I do using a browser. Yep. And, and that's true on my um, laptop as well as on my touch tablet. It's the presentation. It's, it's the just, presentation. It's very nice. Well, Rocky, we're just about out of time, but uh, tell us again um, where you're speaking next. Or You're here for uh, for VS Live, right? I'm here in Vegas for, for VS Live and VS Connections. Yeah. All at once. It's kind of cool. It is kind of cool. And uh, I think the next place is uh, VS Live is coming to uh, Brooklyn, New York in uh, about a month. Uh-huh. And so I'll be there. And um, then Redmond and then um, Orlando. All right. Well, we'll see you there. Great. Thank you. Thanks for talking to us, and we'll see you next time on The Tablet Show. It's not too much.